Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another Disney vs. Disney Debates, the debate podcast where we try and figure out what the best Disney film ever made is. I am your Grandmaster Zane C. Weber and with me today to debate their choices of Disney film are the wonderful Alicia Charisse. Hi and hello. Arguing for Sleeping Beauty. And the equally wonderful Roz Howie, back again. Hello. To argue for The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. So two old Disney titles. Classic. 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 Well, I think you can be both old and classic. <laughs> True. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm very interested to hear what both of you have to say. But before we get into the baits, I would like to, to introduce our stalwart fact checker, Ellen Rose Sorensen. Stalwart. Stalwart. I'll take it. Good. I'll put it in my Tinder bio. <laughs> all right. That's how it's official now. <laughs> Here to keep you all honest. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, we will have three rounds with a bonus discussion round. So our first round will be three-minute opening statements. You'll get a warning at two minutes and you'll end your time at three. Round two will be two-minute rebuttal. Then we'll take a break and come back with an open discussion about both of your films, another break, and then we'll come back with a summation and verdict. Now, there are five categories that I'm looking for in the discussion about your films. The memorable moments, so what makes this movie memorable and what moments do you take out of the cinema with you? The message What message has Disney placed into your films? Is it a good message looking back on it? And should we carry it forward with us? The movie magic, what about your movie makes it a better film? The magic music, that's pretty self-explanatory. What does music add to your Disney film? And the catch-all category, that Disney touch. What has Disney done for this movie that no one else could have? Okay. So we have rolled a dice and Roz won the dice roll and chose to go second. So we will be starting with Alicia. So you will have three minutes with a warning at two. Fantastic. And your time starts as soon as you start talking. So Sleeping Beauty is based on the iconic fairy tale. It's the story of true love's kiss, good versus evil. Um, King Stephen and King Leah had the baby Aurora at the christening, um, was betrothed and then cursed. Flora, Fauna and Meriwether intervened and then tried to hide her and protect her for 16 years. The special thing with this is the music. It's Tchaikovsky's original ballet music that has inspired all the music in this. We've got iconic songs like Once Upon a Dream um, and I Wonder, which were both recorded by Mary Costa, who is an acclaimed operatic singer. She's actually sung at JFK's funeral and Frank Sinatra actually named her Vocalist of the Year. 
Um, so it's the first animated film from Disney with Super Technorama 70 widescreen and six-channel stereophonic sound. It's their second film with anamorphic widescreen, only after Lady and the Tramp. Now, it was a very risky move for Disney here because they changed their art style. Um, Snow White and Cinderella had a very uh, similar art style and this one they were inspired by medieval tapestries. It was quite art deco and it was a risky move but I think it really pays off because every image you can freeze and it's like an artwork. It is beautiful. Um, I just love the story in here. It is classic good over evil, but it's more than a damsel in distress. We look at these three fairies, all very different personalities, and they're working together to protect Aurora. Maleficent is also one of the strongest women ever. Yes, okay, evil, but definitely <laughs> strong, right? <laughs> Can look, we get a fact check on that? <laughs> can 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 confirm? Yeah, she's evil. Yeah, fire breathing dragon. Generally pretty. Um, but you know, there's just so many moments in this movie. The beautiful dress as they argue and changes from blue to pink and blue. We see it twice in the movie, although once does show Maleficent where they are hiding. It's such an iconic thing and the beautiful castle that is in Disneyland, Disneyland Paris, Disneyland Hong Kong, the Sleeping Beauty Palace is just so beautiful. You know, and also we've got Prince Philip, the first prince to have a name and have a backstory. He fought with his father for the right to marry the girl he loves, not who he was betrothed to, although the same person, and then fighting through the thorns to get to the castle and fighting the fire-breathing dragon, such an iconic fairy tale thing that we think of today, is from Sleeping Beauty. The forest scene where they first met is just beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. And although this movie wasn't strong in the box office at the beginning, it has ended up making $51 million after its release, making it the second movie for the year only after Ben-Hur. The Disney logo is based on a conglomeration of the Cinderella story and the Sleeping Beauty story's castle, so it is just so iconic to become part of Disney's branding. They've really, really taken on board this story and absolutely... Yeah, own it. And the fact that it's in every, you know, well, it's in three of their big uh, Disneyland parks. It's... That's your time. Well done. (laughs) Uh, A lot of information there. Must talk faster. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's go straight on to Roz with your opening arguments for The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. You have three minutes with a warning at two and your time starts when you start talking. Thank you. Okay, so this is actually two small featurette films. Mr. Toad is an adaptation of Kenneth Graham's classic The Wind in the Willows and Ichabod is a telling of Washington Irving's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Both movies are very different, so it is a bit of a weird juxtaposition to have them together. Uh, On the one hand, you've got this lovely classic English pastoral children's tale and on the other hand, full-on American Gothic horror. Uh, the films were released in 1949 as a package film, which was very much a characteristic of Disney's feature output at this time. Uh, Mr. Toad is, um, it, it focuses particularly on the adventures of the Devil May Care Toad, who always takes off on whatever adventure takes his fancy without a thought for the consequences, and his long-suffering friends Rat, Mole and Badger, who are always trying to rescue him from the consequences of his actions. Now, this movie is pure joy. And it is also a fairly faithful retelling of Toad's story from the original Wind in the Willows, which is a big thing for me because I, I hate it when storyboard well, people come along and they, and they will um, sort of think, oh, this is a classic, but we can do it better. Uh, it, is, it, is a, it is a very faithful retelling. 
The characters are affectionately drawn and the personalities of the main characters, in particular the Toad and Gruff Badger and Gentle Mole, are absolutely delightful. Uh, I think the message from the film is, this is not really a strong message as there are in some other Disney films. I think it's basically that your friends will always stand by you in the end. And I, I really saw it as a joyful adventure. Musically, it's quite understated. There's really only one song which introduces us to Toad on his first adventure, um, but it does set the mood of rollicking adventure which is carried through the film. Uh, Ichabod is always also a great tale. In it, we follow the adventures of Ichabod Crane, who is a dandified schoolmaster who comes to live and work in Sleepy Hollow. He's a complete ladies' man and soon has all the women of the town under his spell, including the rich and beautiful Katerina von Tassel. This arouses the ire of Brom Bones, who is the local heartthrob, and the two remain rivals for her affections. Uh, Ichabod is atmospheric storytelling at its absolute best. What make, really makes the film memorable is Ichabod's final ride through the forest and his encounter with the Headless Horseman. Still nearly 70 years after the film's release, it is still terrifying. And what I really love about it is that we never actually find out Ichabod's fate. Does he win the encounter or does he die? We don't know. I think the message of this film is basically don't be a dick. Um, Ichabod's really a pretty awful character. He's a cocky little toad, sort of self-centred and greedy, and though he loves Katerina, he's equally in love with her cash. Uh, I like it that it is, in fact, Brom who gets the girl at the end of the day. Music in this film really establishes character and sets the mood for the Headless Horseman, the most important song, I think, being Brom's telling of the, the tale of the Headless Horseman at the Halloween party. In terms of the Disney touch, this film is all about the atmospherics. It is, it is gothic, it is dark, it is, it is terrifying, and it is just a beautifully atmospheric film. All right, and that's right on your time. Well done. Uh, okay, uh, well, let's go straight into rebuttals. So, Alicia, you will have two minutes and yes. I will cut you off at the end, no warning, uh, to tell us why The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr Toad is not the best Disney film ever made. Your time starts when you start talking. So they are two very separate narratives and they don't really go together. There is so, when you're watching it as two separate pieces, perhaps it's like two shorts that they decided to place together. When you watch it together as one film, there just is such a harshness between the two of them. Um, Also, there is a very distinct lack of female characters in both. Like, so on a Brechtel test scale, I'm pretty sure it fails. <laughs> Both of them separately. Um, also, I think it was really bizarre that they had the Mr. Toad ride at Disneyland where you got in the car and the car went to a bar. You got then really drunk so the car was driving erratically and hit someone and then you went to a court where you escaped the courthouse and I'm just like, what is this <laughs> like? Because I, I, to be honest, I had not seen the movie. I looked at the movie for this, and my first thing I found for it was this ride. And I'm just like, what, what? So I had to watch the movie, but the movie wasn't that much better than the ride was. So I was still a bit confused. Um, but yeah, I just think the two of them. I'm confused why they're placed together, and yeah, I don't know. I just I found it. It didn't hit me the way in my heart the way that Disney movies do. There wasn't anything about it that I found was iconically Disney that was representative of them. I just didn't, yeah, I like Wind in the Willows, like and I understand and I like the stories that they're based on, but, yeah, it just didn't feel Disney to me. Right. That is uh, more than enough time left so we will pass over to Roz uh, to hear why you think that Sleeping Beauty is not 
the best Disney movie ever made. And your time starts when you start talking. Okay, so uh, on two heads, I think that Sleeping Beauty is not the best Disney movie ever made. One is The Test of Time and the other one is The Villain Factor. Uh, so in terms of test of time, I think Sleeping Beauty is quite dated. And, I mean, if we're going to talk about failing the Brechtel test, hello. <laughs> I mean, the female role is she's this passive creature who has no real character or strength. Her only job is to sleep until her prince comes along to wake her up. And the gifts, I mean, beauty and song, for heaven's sake. I, I mean, why couldn't she have independent thought or intelligence or a passion for science, tech and engineering or something rather than, you know, such, such tropes? Um, in terms of the villain factor, Maleficent, to me, she's actually a bit ho-hum. I mean, okay, yeah, she transforms into a dragon at the end, but she just doesn't inspire the fear that the headless horseman does. I mean, the sequence where Ichabod is riding alone through the forest is a really, really scary scene. You know, the hoofbeats that turn out to be reeds, the spook that is the two fireflies in a hollow tree, there's, you know, his almost hysterical laughter when he realised what it is. And, and the headless horseman himself is just is, is terrifying, you know, the flaming pumpkin head and us not being sure if Ichabod survives or not. I mean, in, to, to, in my opinion, there's, there's just no comparison between the two. Male- Maleficent just not, does not carry it against the headless horseman when it comes to villain strength. Okay. Easy done. Okay, so we'll take a little break now and we'll come back with an open discussion. If you either have if either of you have any questions to ask each other, I have a couple of questions I would like to ask. And uh yeah, we will take a short break now. All right, well, I have a couple of questions to ask and I encourage you both to ask questions of your opponent um, Mm -hmm. afterwards. So Ichabod and Mr. Toad is a different kind of film than we are used to from Disney now. We're used to the narrative film from beginning to end, whereas this one is basically an anthology. It's two, Mm -hmm. two films kind of put together. I would just like you to talk a little bit, Roz, about why you think that format adds to this as a film. Okay. So this was a, as I mentioned earlier, a very typical uh, format that Disney used during the 1940s and it was largely because uh, the cost of producing a single narrative was too expensive and Mm -hmm. a lot of Disney's resources got chewed up by World War II and so they just simply couldn't afford to do the, the single narrative anymore, yeah. which is why they they went for the the package style. Uh, I guess it's um, it's representative. I guess in that sense, it's it's representative of a an era of Disney and a particular style that Disney used, and which is now perhaps forgotten or not recognised because you know time has passed. So I guess it's uh, classically Disney in the sense that it's an historic element of Disney it's yeah bringing back or something you know a trope that they used to use or a form that they used to use and which was for a while their, their main thing and what they did and what they were known for okay um so another thing that both of you raised was the representation of women in mm. the films I think you spoke pretty uh well about uh Ichabod and Mr. Toad yeah I would like you Alicia to uh just expand a little bit on how you think women were represented in Sleeping Beauty because it is a bit of a trope now that Sleeping Beauty raises problems. Yeah. But even outside of the Sleeping Beauty character, 
um, how the fairies interact with each mm-hmm. other and the story overall. I would like yeah, be definitely. interested in what you think about that. So Aurora herself doesn't actually have a lot of screen time, although she is the title character. She's not actually the female character that we connect with here. The ones we spend the most time with are actually Flora, Fauna and Meriwether. They each have a really specific personality. They're very strong personalities. And the thing I love about these ladies is that them being who they are, their individual personalities, allow Aurora to be that soft and dainty and graceful princess and identify that that is a female-like presence but it's not all females are because we then look at these three fairies Mm. with more strength and more spunk and, like, even the fight that it comes to with the blue over pink and, like, you know, that's they have so much cheek in them and these fairies – Although, you know, Maleficent has done this curse um, to Aurora, they're like, right, and on their feet think about, okay, no, she's not going to die. She's going to sleep for 100 years. That fixes that and then that gives us time. And so, like, I just think that that's really incredible that they do think on on the spot, how can we fix this? How can we save this? What can we do in our power? Um, And also Maleficent just being the – such a strong character. And I know you said you had doubts about her being a villain. She is the head of Dark Disney. She is their figurehead for Dark Disney. uh, Descendants, like she's the main villain that they look at there and there's Mal. She is also in one of the Kingdom Heart games, the villain, the big villain. And like even just when we think about the evil witch, if you – just thinking about that in a fairy tale, turning into this fire-breathing dragon protecting the castle is just such an image in our head. So, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because my third question is about Roz's point of comparing the two villains. Mm-hmm. So they're very different animation styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad is very is much more kind of comical and slapstick. Um, but also uh, it, it's a little bit more horrific because uh maleficent is and sleeping beauty is is more i guess stylized mm. and so i would like both of you to uh tell me why your villain specifically is more intimidating because uh, maleficent has gone on to have this whole life outside of her movie yeah with but a live does the film. movie itself justify that or is it an audience reaction to a character Hmm. so i'll I'll let you go first alicia as you are traditionally going first okay um so with maleficent the thing that i find interesting uh with her character just so ignoring the live action ignoring the storyline that we see in in her live action movie although i think it is worth noting she is the only disney villain that has her own movie her own live action movie you know she was the first live like a uh, disney villain to you know get in that chain of live action remakes so i um you know ignoring that storyline arc This is such a beautiful coronation with this princess. It is so peaceful. We're seeing these gifts being brought out. And then all of a sudden in a puff of smoke without any introduction at all, she appears. Every single person in that room is terrified. Every single one. Even the king and queen are terrified just at her presence. So I think when you feel that, 
you feel the whole atmosphere of the room changes. The lights change in the scene and, like, it's just, yeah, yeah it's such an iconic her entrance. Um, also, like, who doesn't love horns? And those are incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's so many people that cosplay as her, are so inspired by her because of her strength. She is quite a quiet villain. She's not, like, when she's in her human form, She's, you know, not a raging lunatic. Like she's quite still and you know what? You're going to die. She's really, yeah. really creepy. All right. Uh, so, Roz, how does the Headless Horseman? Uh- so just to talk on to Maleficent for a moment. Okay, yes, when she enters the, the palace chamber at the coronation, everybody in that room is terrified and the king and queen are terrified, but are we? Because we know an evil witch is going to turn up. We know that trope. It's like, yeah, 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 the princess, the baby, the fairies, rah, rah, whatever, witch, bang, shaft, yep, yep, we know, we expect it. On the other hand, with the Headless Horseman, we have Ichabod, you know, this little, relatively weak, terribly, terribly alone figure riding alone at night through a forest. He's just been fed this terrifying tale about the Headless Horseman and he's, he's a very superstitious character, so he believes every word of it. And he's alone and there are these, these sounds and these, these noises and he, he doesn't know what they are and we're there with him and we, we feel that and we're, you know, we're, we're hearing that laughter and we're hear, seeing those, those eyes and that, hearing those reeds drumming on the, the thing. And so I think for the viewer it is a far more terrifying experience. And I'd also like to speak too about the idea of Maleficent as the, the strong female character. But how many Disney villains are female and strong? It's as though he's saying that uh, only a strong woman or a strong woman can only ever be evil, you know, and particularly in that era. I think era, a lot of female characters are quite erratic. They don't have that stillness. Like you think of Queen of Hearts in Alice in Wonderland. She is nuts. Like yeah. a mm-hmm. lot of them are quite erratic. The thing I like about Maleficent is that stillness. Yeah. Um, she, 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 is, she is still and she does have that, that strength and uh, that coldness, but, again, it's an evil strength and, an, mm. you know, it's an evil energy and so often the, the strong females are evil so mm. a, a strong female can't be good. Well, mm. I do think the fairies have a lot of strength in with them. I mean, they are the ones that have come up with this plan to hide away um, Aurora and raise her as their Briar Rose. Mm. They're the ones that have um, altered the curse as best they can and that, they have done away with magic for 16 years. They've lived their whole lives with magic and they're like, nope, we are making this choice. They sacrifice for 16 years to raise this girl. So, so I they think- work, why can't they do it for 16 years in <laughs> one day for God's sake? <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that shows quite a bit of strength and they are definitely good. Okay. Can um, I jump in with yeah. a quick fact yes, check? Yep. Um, for me and all the nerds in the room, while Maleficent is a big villain in the Kingdom Hearts Video game series. She's not oh, the she's main not the villain. She's not the villain. That would be answer. I thought in the Kingdom Hearts, the sleeping death by sleep. Yeah, death by sleeping. She she's not the main in that one. I don't think she's the main. Well, the main oh, villain okay. of the Kingdom Hearts saga. Is- well, I apologize. <laughs> I read that. Yeah, death by sleeping. She was the head villain. So mm-hmm. that was my maybe my misread. All right. Well, maybe I'm gonna make that down here. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take another break. And we'll come back with your summations and my verdict. All right. Well, we have heard your arguments. We've heard your rebuttals and we've had a discussion. It is now time for your summation. So you will have one minute. I'll cut you off at the end of your time. We will start with Alicia. And your time starts as soon as you start talking. Fantastic. So 
I just really think that Sleeping Beauty is so part of the quintessential what we think of when we think of Disney. Their logo on every single movie is that fairy tale castle with the beautiful arch above it. And you know, that's just what we think of these beautiful fairy tale stories. The music in it, you just can't go past it. I mean, Once Upon a Dream was re-recorded by Lana Del Rey. It's just, it's such a popular song. Um, the Munich Symphony Orchestra recorded the music for it and it was just such a beautiful job. Um, I just, it's quintessentially Disney. It has that heart, it has that feeling. It is the beautiful story and the artwork is just incredible. There's... Yeah, I really – any still frame you grab from this movie is just beautifully done. So much time and so much um, time was come uh, – so much time was put into drawing the backgrounds of Sleeping Beauty. Um, it, there's so much detail with them and each one looks like this beautiful medieval tapestry. It's just gorgeous. All right, and that's your time. Well done. Perfectly timed. So, Roz – you will have your own minute mm-hmm. and your time starts when you start talking. Okay, so I think in uh, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr Toad, we have two very, very different but very rep- very representative elements of Disney. With Mr Toad, we have a joyful, light-hearted family adventure. It's, you know, it's the animated animals that it's, it's, it's joyous and, and it's, you know, just wonderful fun and it's, you know, the, just this beautiful retelling of a classic tale. And then on the other hand, with Ichabod, we have this fabulous gothic, atmospheric, you know, brooding uh, tale. With you know, it's got its elements of humour as well, but it's all about the horseman and that that brooding, um, spooky element. And so it's yeah, it's 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 two very very different things, two very very different elements of Disney that are that are brought together in in one. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, I have some maths to do, so I would like you both to uh, just take a moment to say why you like the other person's film and I'll come back with my verdict. So I do actually like the idea of having the two separate little narratives in the one thing. A lot of kids, like my niece, does not have the attention span to sit through a long movie unless it's Frozen. She can watch that a million times. Um, (laughs) But with these, like they're so short, you know, a kid of that age can sit through. I also love what Disney does when it takes – inspiration from an already existing story they do that so well and they do it so well here like the Mr Toad and all the characters that you already know they really work well at bringing them to life and I must be honest I did not watch this movie at all until I found out I was going up against it and I'm like okay I guess I need to know what this is and I watched it and I'm just like I wonder why I've never heard of this I literally had not heard of it but it's like, yeah, they've, they've done really well bringing those two stories to life. Okay. And uh, with Sleeping Beauty, uh, I agree with you. It is, yes, it is a beautiful, beautiful movie. And I particularly love the way they use music in Sleeping Beauty, like Tchaikovsky's mm. The Waltz is just, oh, my goodness, divine. And the, they, the way they keep that rhythm and that, that beauty through, through the movie is just gorgeous. And, it, again, it's just a lovely experience to, to sit through that. And the characters, the, the fairies, Meriwether and Fauna and Flora, they are they are delightful and they're joyful and I love them. <laughs> All right. So this one was an interesting one because they're two very different films. Comparably, uh, I guess, uh, styles, like they came out at a, a similar time in Disney's oeuvre, mm-hmm. uh, but very different films. So comparing them is very difficult and I've seen that, you, both of you have had trouble uh, kind of criticising the other. Uh, 
there's been a lot of, I guess, like I just don't like this mm. about these films. Uh, so I'm going to start out with with The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. So I think Roz rightfully really lent on the memorable moments of this film because you do have these recognisable uh, Wind in the Willows characters. They are beloved from outside of Disney. And when you remember this film, at least when I remember this film, those are the bits that you remember. Um, and don't get me wrong, Sleeping Beauty has those moments as well. Um, but I, I think Roz just beat you with numbers that in that way. However, um, I think when it comes to the message, uh, Alisa, you're very good at uh, showing exactly the <laughs> how the adventures of Mr. Toad specifically uh, <laughs> might not have given the best message to the any audience that's watching it um, in terms of alcohol consumption and road responsibility, uh, just I, personal don't, I responsibility. I don't think alcohol consumption was part of the actual movie. <laughs> it, it wasn't part of the actual movie, but you could assume that he was drunk most of the time and his actions would have made when he's about as much sense. No, no, he, he was high on exhaust gas. which is a much better thing (laughs) much better much better um and so that is that is why uh i think why sleeping beauty went out on message like it is an old film and its messages are more those more traditional disney values uh but still i think there is some something to be gained from for from for an audience from sleeping beauty um, the music went to Sleeping Beauty as well because the music wasn't a huge factor um, in the adventures of uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad. But the interesting one for me was that Disney touch. Disney has incorporated so much of Sleeping Beauty into its own iconography. Mm. Uh including Maleficent, including the castle. Uh, Aurora is one of the main princesses. Um, But I think, Roz, you did a good point of pushing forward a few interesting parts of uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad that are Disney. Like it is, uh, this is where Disney started out. It started out with these shorter, uh, shorter films kind of anthologies pushed together uh, and also taking known properties and animating them uh, for the studio. Overall, though, I don't think I'm going to regret this. <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping Beauty is the better Disney film. Um, it was closer than I thought it would be. Yeah, I was terrified. Uh, <laughs> um yeah, it is. It, it was an interesting score scoreboard this time. So congratulations, Rod for mm, Roz definitely. for uh, <laughs> arguing so valiantly for a virtually unknown Disney Disney title. And mm-hmm. go watch it. It's it's weird. It's a weird one. It's yeah. so oh, weird, it's worth you guys. <laughs> it's yeah, so be prepared, worth it, but it's it's worth it. Um, and so Sleeping Beauty will go through to the next round. Watch the Adventures of Ichabod and Mister Toad. Then go to our Facebook page and if you think I've made the wrong choice, let us know. And maybe the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad will make it through to the second round as a wild card. So uh, thank you again, Roz. Thank you. Thank you again, Alicia. Thank you. Thank you again, Ellen. You're welcome. 
and we will catch you again next week. You can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram, and you can find us on Twitter. Keep watching Disney, everyone. Politics. Why can't everyone just get along? Yeah, like in musicals. Musicals fix everything. If people listened and learned from musicals, everything would be better. Music, lights, and spontaneous choreography. What isn't there to love? If you want to learn all of life's important lessons, or just listen to some musical theatre nerds wax lyrical, subscribe to Musicals Tell Me Everything I Know, wherever you find fun and funny podcasts. Or at our website at thatsnotcanonproductions.com. A That's Not Canon Productions podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.